0: Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report Podcast. My name is Kalen Jones. I'm alongside Chris Cartman and Fabian Ardaya. Guys, how are you doing?
1: had a good holiday. It's good to be back, though.
2: Ho, ho, ho. Belated Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to everybody.
0: Yeah, Happy holidays to uh, everyone who is listening. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's podcast. But guys, uh, we have a bowl game on our hands in the next couple of hours, really. Um, Arizona State is traveling to El Paso. Actually, they're already in El Paso to face uh, the 24th-ranked North Carolina State Wolfpack. Uh, they'll be taking them on in the Sun Bowl. And, guys, it'll be Todd Graham's last official game as the head coach of Arizona State football. Uh, the tenure ends with a, a potential or for an 8-5 and five season. Um, what are your thoughts on Todd Graham's final game?
1: It's odd, honestly, seeing – not only the end of the Todd Graham era, but having it happen just with everything that's transpired in the last uh, month and two or three days uh, since the news came out that he was being let go, uh, culminating with the fact that he's still coaching the bull game even after he got fired. But uh, it's definitely wasn't an eventful tenure for Todd Graham, um, a lot of highs, some lows. Uh, but it, it'll be a chance to see if Arizona State can send him off the way they talked about doing uh, from the moment he got fired.
2: Not sure how much this game actually impacts his legacy long-term, but I do feel like Todd Graham is likely to age well. I think this is going to be like a fine wine. And even though he, uh, of course, lost a lot more games in the second half of his tenure versus the first half of his tenure, you look at a lot of accomplishments in terms of uh, academics, graduation rates, APR team gpa classroom attendance you look at um the discipline of the program on and off the field you look at um how much of an inf- impact that Tigram had with fundraising booster outreach the development of um, asu's facilities district stadium the football facility which he didn't even get a full year uh to be able to enjoy ironically uh, unless asu accomplishes something which hasn't been done in the pack 10/12 era, uh, I think, uh, in terms of you know Herm Edwards or whoever uh, ending up having some groundbreaking type success, I, I look at it, this as being uh, an era that people will reflect on with a lot of pride for what tagram was all about and the type of person that he was. And also, the last thing I would say on the subject is you guys remember this when he was hired at ASU, he was perceived as being. Uh, a job chaser, a charlatan, a phony, uh, all these things that were propagated out there in the national media for the fact that he uh, left multiple jobs after one year. And here, here is Todd Graham, whose legacy is going to be lamenting being fired at ASU and how this was like the place he wanted to be at for the long haul after six years. And the emotion of that uh, is very different than the way that he was perceived to be upon his arrival at ASU.
0: Once again, Todd Graham's final game as Arizona State head coach will come against the North Carolina State Wolfpack in the Sun Bowl. Last time Arizona State played in the Sun Bowl, they defeated uh, Duke um, 36-31. to um, Yeah, 2014. In
2: 2014, that's Mario Demario correct. Richards' uh, full circle in yeah, his career, right?
1: Yeah. And yeah. uh, talked I think at the beginning of the bowl prep about that game and how he thought originally he wasn't even going to play in that game because he missed meeting as the first time he ever missed a meeting I think it was John Ren who was on staff at the time, uh, Came saw him outside of that uh, ballroom and was wondering why DeMario Richard was sitting on the ground upset. It's like, you didn't do anything wrong. You're fine. You just go out and play your game, and then DeMario Richard goes out and scores four touchdowns. So. Yeah,
2: and how about just the way that DeMario Richard has evolved as a person and as a football player coupled with Todd Graham's sort of appreciation for DeMario Richard – and um, he's the one player that that Graham mentioned in his final press conference in terms of the growth and everything that Richard was able to achieve. We saw what Demario Richard could do on the field as a freshman in that game. He had four touchdowns. He was the MVP. Um, you guys remember it. And um, but he's gone through a lot of a circuitous kind of route through his career with some downs and some some injuries and some uh, frustration with his role and all those kinds of things and. It's just kind of – it's the fact that he's kind of finishing his ASU career and Todd Graham's finishing his ASU career and the way that they see one another, uh, the dynamics of that's pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah, I think a part of it is honestly that both of them always did it their way. Todd Graham always did it his way, always uh, with sort of that Texas charm to him, always sort of stayed true to what he said from the beginning as far as in terms of discipline and trying what he wants out of his program. And DeMario Richard was always DeMario Richard just – saying what was on his mind, not really caring what anyone else thought. Yeah.
2: Todd Graham was like um, a big Kalen Balage fan. I think he was one of the people, from what we've been told, that was pushing for more of a divvying of those reps. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, because it's like Todd and Demario were at arm's length in a lot of ways, and here they are in this embrace as uh, their careers at ASU come to a conclusion.
0: Yeah, That'll certainly be interesting. Um, you guys mentioned how Todd Graham always liked to do it his way. Um, he won't be able to be alongside some of his key assistants in this or in the bowl game with Billy Napier accepting a head coaching position over at Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, offensive line coach Rob Sale joining him. Um, but some of the subsequent coaching changes to follow from that, Rob Likens, the former uh, wide receivers head coach, uh, was promoted to offensive coordinator. Uh, the hiring of Danny Gonzalez from San Diego State as defensive coordinator Antonio Pierce. Uh, from Long Beach Poly. He'll be brought on as a linebackers coach. Uh, some of the other key uh, positions, Sean Slocum is likely returning as the special teams coordinator. Dave Christensen was brought on as the offensive line coordinator, who was already a part of the program. And then you have John Connolly signing on as the strength coach in Charlie. Mm-hmm. Joe Connolly. Oh, excuse me, Joe Connolly. Yeah. forgive me. And then Charlie Fisher's uh, coming from Division Three school uh, to coach the wide receivers.
2: No, uh, uh, Division I, uh, Division I FCS.
0: Or FCS, forgive yeah.
2: me. Yeah, uh, Western Illinois.
0: Western Illinois. Yeah. So, so. What do we make of those coaching changes, guys? Well, that's
2: a lot that you just went over there. Um, and that just speaks to what happens inside of a program whenever you have a head coaching change. You're just invariably going to have uh, all these other – Uh, domino effects that just kind of also fall as a result of what happened Um, Billy Napier of course let's start with him he wanted to be in Tempe uh, by um, from what we've heard from sources close to Napier and others in the program he was offered this head coaching job at Louisiana Lafayette and was intrigued by that And, and one of the challenges is um When Ray Anderson said he wanted to keep Napier in place, but Herm Edwards didn't hire Napier That's a different type of a dynamic and that's not common um, That you have a head coach who's basically being asked to Keep somebody and then they don't really know each other all that. Well, and what's that gonna look like? Uh, Billy Napier I think would have stayed at ASU if he had been given a raise now he had signed a a contract uh, extension and a raise just a week earlier for staying at ASU, bumping his salary from 550,000 to 700,000, um, he's gonna make 850 at least at Lafayette, but probably more like over 900,000 with some easily attainable incentives. Um, our reporting, uh, as you know, you guys know, we were you know kind of first on on, on this whole storyline, um, is that um, his family really liked it here, preferred to stay. ASU didn't come up with a subsequent increase of its offer to him financially, and he decided to leave. Of course, he took with him Rob Sale, ASU's offensive line coach, for one season. Both of those guys only in Tempe one year which speaks to just the amount of, of change that's gone on in the ASU program. This is now going to be the fourth offensive coordinator in four years. Uh, remember Ray Anderson said he didn't want Manny Wilkins to have to have a fourth coordinator in four years. Now this is, is happening. Of course, Rob Likens being elevated to that position has a lot of familiarity. Uh, we're going to have to see how Likens does. The book is going to be out on him. He, he lost his play-calling duties at Kansas uh, before leaving Kansas to become ASU's wide receivers coach. Um, I've heard some uh, differences of opinion about how his his time at Cal went. Um, some people said he, he did a great job. They obviously had a lot of talent at the position. He knows how to recruit in the West that those are all strengths. The question marks are more so about um, you know what he brings to the table from a Uh, um, game planning and play calling standpoint. I think that's uh, where we're going to have to find out. And now uh, he's going to be, you know, sort of putting his own spin on the offense. This is somebody who has an air raid background. ASU was not anywhere near an air raid type of an offense this past season. Uh, He said he's going to not change the offense, but he'll put some new wrinkles on it. And, um... And then the defense is going to be quite a bit different, I think, with Danny Gonzalez, their scheme that he um, ran with under Rocky Long at San Diego State and New Mexico before that, where he spent basically the entire in the entirety of his career, um, is is quite a bit different, as we'll talk about in the premium podcast, but. Uh, He wasn't a play caller at San Diego State. Rocky Long was still calling the defense. Rocky Long said that when Danny Gonzalez took the job, it was a no-brainer. He had to take it because he was going to go get a go into a a Pac-12 and also be able to be a play caller. So uh, there's a lot going on here, and it's going to take not one podcast or two or five. It's probably going to take a whole bunch of podcasts and reporting for us to really fully unpack all
1: this in uh, coming months. Yeah, with Rob Likens also moving from wide receivers coach to quarterbacks coach, that also means it's the fourth wide receivers coach in many years as well. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that Ray Anderson said, both when he fired Todd Graham and when he hired Herman Edwards, is one of the key things that he's going to do when he's evaluating uh, head coaches retention of assistants, he also said that they wouldn't have to worry about building a staff for Herman Edwards, who he was never done that at the collegiate level, because he's hoping to keep the staff in place, have people have the chance to stay, and then, what wound up happening just a couple of short weeks later is Herm Edwards had to build a staff on the fly. So, yeah. But a lot of the names you'll see in there are familiar. So you'll see Danny Gonzalez was at Herm Edwards' alma mater. Antonio Pierce worked with Herm Edwards at ESPN. Rob Likens was already on staff. that promoted him to offensive coordinator. Dave Christensen was already part of the staff as a non-coaching consulta- consultant. Now he's offensive line coach. Charlie Fisher worked with Rob Likens back in Missouri. So you see a lot of familiarity, at least. And he, they've been able to patchwork together a coaching staff uh, rather quickly here, despite Herm Edwards not really having experience doing that at the college level.
2: I think you touched on a great point, and we'll see if that ends up being a good decision or not. If you look at Rob Likens' promotion to offensive coordinator, that happened in the span of – a handful of hours between Napier's decision to leave and Lycan's promotion. So there wasn't a consideration for going outside of the program for that position with any seriousness because ASU didn't even know this was even a possibility until the night before it happened. Um, so it wasn't like they had some extended conversations between Herm Edwards and Rob Lykins about philosophy and offense and structure and recruiting to all those things. It was just like, oh, next man up, you're going to be the coordinator. Now, uh, just like all coaches tend to, uh, Herm Edwards is definitely hiring from within his familiarity and circle for his bringing people out, and it wasn't just uh, Herm Edwards who has experience with um, with his new off his new linebackers coach Antonio Pierce. Uh, Pierce actually was a teammate of John Simon, ASU's running backs coach at, at the Washington Redskins. Uh, you look at the, the 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 Charlie Fisher, the wide receivers coach at ASU's gonna be gonna be hiring and probably announcing here in the next few days as we were first to report and he worked with rob likens at umass and actually they had reverse roles uh this is going back about 15 years but uh at that point in time rob likens was coaching wide receivers and um and uh and pardon me, Charlie Fisher, was, was coaching quarterbacks and being the offensive coordinator. And here they're going to be swapping. But you guys remember, uh, Lycan said that he wanted greater synergy and, and more meetings with the quarterbacks and wide receivers so they speak the same language and all that. So I think that's part of what the considerations are there. Um, there's, Like I said, we're going to have to wait until probably spring ball before we really see what this looks like in terms of the manifestation. And they still have a couple more um, – Defensive hires to be made that uh, will probably come out here in the next week or so, uh, but um, uh, the offensive line coach—interesting because he's somebody who's been around the program the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's you know uh, been a head coach, right? And and uh, wasn't wasn't Christensen a head coach uh, at a at a previous stop? I think he was. And anyways, at yeah, Wyoming. Yes. At Wyoming, yeah, and then he was also. Uh, an offensive coordinator uh, previously. So he's gonna be actually calling the plays in this Sun Bowl game Mm -hmm. from the press box through Todd Graham. Well, that's another interesting dynamic because of course, Rob Likens is gonna be the coordinator for ASU moving forward, but yet he wasn't, isn't gonna get that opportunity in the bowl game. Now, presumably this is just Todd Graham thinking this is what gives the team the best chance to be successful. Uh, but Christensen hasn't been an on-field actual coach of this team because analysts are only allowed to observe and then uh, discuss what they see on the field with other coaches.
1: Another reason, One of the reasons I think Graham gave for that also is because they want to keep congruency with how they've been running things. So they want Rob Likens on the field as he's been all season, and they want their play caller to be up in the box like Billy Napier has been for most of the season. Oh, no, Billy Napier has been, right, but he
2: has he, he's been bouncing between, but the second half of the season he was on the field. So, yeah, I don't I – don't, but I think that's just probably personal preference of Christensen, mm-hmm. but Rob Likens doesn't have to change his role with this team, and maybe that's what, you know, what you're talking about there is just the, the some semblance of continuity to the way things were. Um, you know, you're going to have Rob Sale still coaching the offensive line even though he's leaving. He's going to be on the field. You have Likens on the field. You have John Simon on the field. Uh, Phil Bennett is still going to be doing this, 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 what he did previously, T.J. Rushing, Keith Patterson. So I think the point is valid that they're trying to keep basically what they were doing throughout the season intact
0: with one or two little changes here. All right, moving forward again, uh, Danny Gonzalez, the new, installed as uh, Arizona State's new defensive coordinator. He won't be calling plays against uh, North Carolina State in the Sun Bowl. But uh, moving forward, he is expected to – potentially bring a couple of guys from San Diego State with him. I know one board member uh, pointed out the name Tony White, who's a recruit, recruiting coordinator and cornerbacks coach. Uh, Chris, what do you think of that potential addition?
2: Well, Tony White is somebody that we've been familiar with as an up-and-coming recruiter for a number of years now. Um, in, in in previous times, the days he's had defensive back openings, he was like a name that came up. And you look at what Ray Anderson has said about – ASU's need to be a better recruiting in Southern California so to that end Antonio Pierce kind of helps you do that Mm -hmm. Rob Likens was an important guy to keep around because of his ability to do that Tony White is someone who's cut his teeth as a Southern California recruiter so um, so in that respect I think it makes a lot of sense if you don't have the talent it doesn't really matter how good of a coaching staff you are in the Pac-12, you're just not going to get it done at at the level that they they now aspire to be able to accomplish, right? With (laughs) seven wins is mediocre uh, and all that stuff. So um, we are going to be spending a lot of time talking about all this stuff, and and hopefully everyone's with us for that journey.
0: All right. And before we close this out, guys, uh, let's talk about the bowl game itself. Uh, North Carolina State, they have a star player. And Mr. Chubb, um, he's potentially to be a top five pick, uh, but he's unlikely to play. So what does that do for North Carolina State defense? What does this mean for Arizona State's offense? Right,
2: Bradley Chubb, um, he's being coy about it. And um, North Carolina State's coaching staff is also being coy about it. They're not really disclosing whether he's going to play or not. by But all indications are that he's going to sit this one out like some of the top NFL prospects do now a day is with the bowl games. Uh, Chubb had nine sacks this year. Uh, very uh, uh, potent physical but athletic edge pass rusher. They line him up on either side of the formation. They try to figure out where they can gain an advantage. Um, if he doesn't play, the, the backup that they have, it has only had a few sacks this season. Darian Roseboro, 6'4", 287. They're both big physical guys that can play from a two-point or a three-point stance. Uh, NC State is pretty creative in how it attacks the quarterback. A lot of uh, overload pressures in interior gaps. They'll overload the A gap, the B gap. Um, they play a lot of mixed coverages. They'll play zone, man. They'll play mixed zone and man. Um, so it's it, it can be tough to get a beat on them. Uh, they play... A four-two-five really is what I would call it, with more physical safeties, bigger body safeties that they bring down into the box, and a lot of single-high looks. Um, but this is a defense that is is very solid structurally. Um, but it's just they lose a, a big component when you take Chubb off the field. And there's nobody else that has more than three and a half sacks on the team. And I mean, you guys know. Um, you look at especially the left tackle with Cole Cabral this year and there were games in which he really struggled against a dominant edge presence uh, like Chubb would uh, would be and and maybe that's still something that we have to watch in this game but that uh, Chubb being uh, off the field is something that really gives ASU a little bit better chance there offensively.
1: Yeah pretty much if ASU can manage to protect uh, Manny Wilkins that's when they've Obviously had a lot of success when they were able to especially when their offense lines have the better games that the game against Colorado That's when the offense has really become a lot more dynamic instead of relying on Maybe time of possession or other factors to try to win a game
0: All right, and then offensively the Wolfpack boasts uh, Ryan Finley who's pretty solid at quarterback And then they have a 1,000 yard rusher in Naheem Hines uh, So defensively what does Arizona State have to do to slow those two down?
2: When the turnover battle Um, NC State hasn't lost a game this year In which it had a positive turnover margin Uh, Ryan Finley's Actually from Phoenix Paradise Valley High School A guy that I liked a lot When he was in high school I thought he got under-recruited They have a high completion percentage Type of an offense They don't try to get too many big plays Because they don't have that explosive verticality They have these big physical Skill players They throw a lot of 50-50 balls to them um they have the ability to change structures within drives they'll bring tight ends in off the bench they'll send them off they'll run out of 10 personnel sets Hines is a really great uh, versatile type of a back he can get you inside and outside on the edge he's a really good return man i think he was third in all-purpose yards in the acc this year Um, So they are very solid, very balanced, solid. Their offensive line might be the best in the league. They only gave up 12 sacks all season. ASU gave up 12 sacks, as you guys know, in the first couple games of the year this season. Um, uh, Three 315-pound offensive linemen, they'll wear on you at the point of attack. They like to get the ball to their athletes who are bigger physical guys and let them break tackles in the screen game on back shoulder fades and, and things of that nature. It's a it's a, it's a a difficult offense, not because of its uh, potency as much as it is its ability to wear on you and beat you with versatility.
1: It's a lot of what ASU has done when it's most successful this season, which is yeah. dominate possession, sort of just keep the chains moving by any means necessary. Not necessarily going to knock you out over the top, but it's going to be a team that's going to grind you out. And against an inexperienced defense like ASU, especially in that secondary, that could honestly be huge factor in the game.
0: And again, you guys mentioned it. uh, Being pretty similar, Arizona State had only 11 turnovers lost this season. NC State right behind them at 12. So again, this is going to be a really interesting uh, competition between the two offenses to see whether or not who can impose their will. Um, But before we wrap this up, guys, one final question. Um, The challenges of preparing for this bowl game, obviously you have uh, Dave Christensen calling the plays instead of Rob Likens and Billy Napier uh what are the challenges for the sun devils going into this matchup uh,
2: do they have the will to compete you know do do they did they have the focus to sustain through all of this adversity and distractions and all that all that because you look back six years ago a s u fires uh um Dennis Erickson goes to Vegas and gets just annihilated by Boise State. And I don't think that they really cared that much, that team. And, and that team was different because it lacked the discipline and the focus and the, and the energy. I think uh, it didn't matter to them all that much. And we'll see what happens in this game. But I really do think that people care about uh, the players, I should say, care about Todd Graham. They would like to see him go out on a high note. Um, but whether, whether that translates to them doing the things that were needed in terms of studying the opponent and being dialed in on what you're trying to do schematically and being able to overcome all of this adversity and change that's happening uh, and kind of just pulling you apart at the seams uh, remains to be seen. I think it's going to be really, really hard for ASU. Um, Now, the advantage, of course, is ASU has you know, much less of a travel. It was easier for them to get to El Paso and all that stuff. Teams that t- typically have to fly across the country, um, and they don't do as well. And you know, so I'm, I'm interested to see if that has any sort of impact on this game, what ASU's focus level is like. NC State has continuity. Their staff is great. They have a, they have a senior-laden team, and you would think that they're going to be really focused, and they tend to be a hot starting team which also could be a problem for ASU if ASU comes out lethargic or sluggish.
1: Yeah, big thing for Arizona State is just focus. I think uh, Nikhil Harry and a couple other players admitted that during the Arizona game, especially early on that first half, they lost focus at times because they were thinking about what Todd Graham's job status would be. Obviously now they know what his job status is, but you have to think that maybe this being Todd's last game, maybe – the Either you get a little bit too much, too amped up, or they're drained, focus-wise, just because of all the drama that's happened this entire season, not just the last couple months. So, there's a lot of factors that can play into it. And I think just having this entire month and two, a couple days just play out the way it has, it it could have an impact on the team. But or it could have the reverse effect where the team comes out incredibly focused. They want to come out on the wrong, right, on the right now for Todd Graham, and it turns out being one of their better performances of the season.
0: All right, we'll see Arizona State again taking on North Carolina State in the Sun Bowl down in El Paso. Thanks again for listening in to the Sun Devil Source Report podcast from Chris Cartman, Fabian Ardaya, and Kalen Jones. So long.